and young people are, are engaging well with everything. So this is the Youth Leaders um, Seminar Stream. So it kicked off yesterday um, with healthy ingredients to youth work. And we're looking at five different areas of that. So we're covering that, looking at five different words beginning with E. And uh, yesterday we started off with enjoyment and looking at how you create a culture of enjoyment where young people can um, enjoy the program and enjoy relationships with one another uh, and enjoy connecting with God. Um, today we're going to be looking at education and the teaching of young people and the input uh, that we bring in. It's great to have Matt Summerfield um, here who's going to be um, sharing with us. Then throughout the week we're looking at um, uh, in- encounter. We're looking at empowerment and we're looking at example. So example being leadership, um, uh, empowerment, how you release young people into all that God's got for them and encounter how we create spaces for for young people to encounter um, God. Really excited about having Matt with us. He, uh, Matt came and spoke at the Youth Leaders Conference in January and uh, it was it was complete. Um, uh, uh, it was just brilliant to have his input and it really, what he brought really shaped um, our, our youth work for the last what, six months. Um, so the input that he brought um, uh, was 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 amazing in, in taking us forward as a youth worker. And I've heard lots of great feedback from many different youth youth leaders. So um, so I was really keen when I was putting this program together for this week to get Matt along to come and input. So Matt heads up um, um, Urban Saints, where he was heading up Urban Saints. He's now his official title title is is president of Urban Saints and he can say a little bit um, more about that. So we've got the president here with us today, which um, is a real privilege. So Matt is up for the day just looking at New Day and looking at what we did um, do. So it's really good to have him to come and input um, into us as well. So we'll be running these um, these seminars every day. It's great to journey through or just dip in and out of the ones that, that are relevant for you and we'll, we'll put stuff online as well. So I know a few people were asking me for notes yesterday and, and um, yeah, how they could access it. So it will go up online um, in the coming months so uh, you can access it from there. A couple of things just to highlight. So one is um, we've been looking at how we develop supporting and equipping youth leaders um, that are connected with New Day throughout the year. And um, if you're not already, we'd encourage you to um, to join the New Day Youth Leaders Facebook page, um, which for the last couple of months has had a real focus on um, stuff for pre-event, um, particularly with all the issues that we've had with the booking system and all of that. So there's just been lots of like people saying, oh, I'm in this situation. Can someone help me and stuff? We're going to start to change the culture of that now. Now we're, we'll be post-event um, and we'll be putting stuff on there that's just input for youth leaders. Um, highlighting stuff throughout the year that's coming up, um, recommendations, and um, we're looking to do some coaching that we'll um, we'll put through um, through that that page, and we'll be looking to put it on other social media um, um, inputs as as well. So so um, so do get connected with that. That'll be a, a good first point of contact, or um, yeah, first point for for that. The other thing just to highlight is the Youth Leaders um, New Day Youth Leaders Conference, uh, Youth Workers Conference that we do every year in January. So that is happening again, and um, they're just brilliant times just to get together, just to connect with God, to get input, to um, hang out as team, and and uh, just have a great weekend uh, together. We were thinking of going, um, putting two on and doing one north, one south. Um, we, we're going to hold off from doing that this year, so we've just increased the number of delegates that we can have at the Youth Leaders Conference, because the last two years it's sold out um, quite early. So, so, um, so I think we've got 500 spaces. That has gone live um, today. 
so you can book on from 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 this event and um, every year we say well we'll get it live straight after new day it is actually i've had the message that came through this morning saying it is now live so you can get booked on i've been um speaking to my team and say start to save up for it now let's let's engage with it now because if we wait till um december with christmas and stuff they just say oh, i haven't got any money and it's hard to get there for for january so i'm like right put like 10 pound a week now each week and then you can book in um, early on next term so I'd encourage you to get there we've got some great speakers lined up for that we've got um, Prince uh, uh, Lai who is um, uh, part of uh, was part of Acts 29 um, cha- no, it's not that is it chapter what is it? I like, 29th chapter. That's it. That's it. 29th chapter. He's a great speaker. Um, uh, been working for uh, Youth for Christ as well recently. And uh, he's just going to bring some brilliant input. Um, we've got uh, a guy called Will van der Hart who's coming from um, HDB, one of the pastors there. And he heads up a charity called Mind and Soul. We started to look at the whole subject of mental health and young people last year. Um, he'll be bringing a different dynamic um, into that. We're going to be doing some stuff on leadership and just general um, youth work practice. So it's it's, it really is a great time um, if you can get along. So get those dates in. It's the 19th, 20th and 21st of January. So uh, get those into your diary. And uh, I would encourage you to, uh, to get your teams there and uh, get along yourself. Okay, so let's jump in with this uh, second talk. So let's uh, welcome Matt to come and speak to us. Cheers. Thank you very much. Morning, everybody. Good to see you. Let's do that again. Morning. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and just say to them, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the smartest person in the room this morning. Why don't you just do that as a little bit of encouragement? Come on, say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. Because we are going to be thinking about this E-word education. And let's be honest, most of us, I mean, I'm amazed that you're here because I know that even the sound of the word education doesn't sound very exciting. And so our, our job for the next four hours is to try to make, that is a joke, by the way, relax, relax, all right, two hours, we'll be done. Um, no, much less than that. Uh, education doesn't sound exciting. Again, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and just say to them for the next minute what you think of when you hear this word education. What comes to mind? Just over to you. Talk to the people around you. What thoughts come to mind when you think about education? Okay, let's get a shout out, shall we? Let's get some words. Anyone, just kind of shout out some words that came to mind. School. Learning. Boring. <laughs> Essential. Empowering. Thank, do you say thankful? Yeah, great. Stressful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess probably initially our, most people's first thought would have been something like school or college, like education. We kind of go into that uh, frame of mind. And, um, and yet the reality is like, when we think about education, we're, we're, this theme of education like, is all the way through Scripture, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And of course, this, it doesn't actually use this word, but there are multiple times that the Scripture is using the word about learning, about training, about kind of growing. And, um, and so this stuff actually is really, really important. And what we're going to explore together is, is education and learning and training around what? What actually do we want to see our young people learn and grow in and ourselves? Let me just say before I dive in that you can see this mobile phone number here. If you weren't here yesterday, uh, as we go through the next 
half an hour or so, and then we'll do some stuff together. Then there'll be some time for questions. If you text this number, then uh, the amazing Wayne will pick up those questions and we'll try and get through as many as possible. So any questions on what we talk about, or if you need a coffee or anything like that, just send him a text, uh, say where you are, and he'll sort all that out because he's such a good man. Now, when we talk about education, let me be really clear that I'm not talking about the impartation of information. The scripture, when it looks at this whole thing about learning and training, it's always about transformation. That that we, we want people to learn and grow, and we want to learn and grow ourselves because we know that God is in the business of transforming people's lives. Be transformed, Romans 12.2, by the renewing of your mind. This whole picture of metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly. God is in the business of transforming you. That's why uh, for ourselves, it should be the prayer of our heart every morning where we're saying to God, God, would you change me? Would you transform me? Help me to be more like Christ. And And so it's about transformation and not information. And it's about wisdom, not about knowledge. Remember the scripture says that knowledge puffs up. I'm sure we all know people who know a lot. You know, they know loads and loads of things. But actually God is not interested in knowledge. He's interested in wisdom. Wisdom uh, for life. And so when we talk about this whole area... These are the things that we're thinking about, the things that will transform our lives, the things that will help us be wise in the way we live our lives and helping our young people live their lives well in in accordance with God's best. Because you don't need me to tell you that I would say this generation of young people are are under levels of pressure that probably previous generations have never been under, I would say, in terms of all of the things that surround them. I've been doing youth ministry for 30 years this September, and and I absolutely would say the pressure, the challenges, uh, the level of brokenness that we're seeing on young people is huge. And so we have a massive responsibility to not just create enjoyment for them in all the brilliant ways. And uh, Wayne was sharing with me what he shared yesterday, which was fantastic. But to really make sure they are learning and they're growing and they're being transformed. And they're growing in wisdom and they're making good godly choices that will bring life and not death. And we have to model that ourselves. You know, if you've been following the scouting story over the last 10 years, the scouts movement have gone through an explosion, absolute explosion. There are hundreds of thousands of young people in this country involved in the scouting movement. There is a waiting list of 40,000 young people waiting to join a, a scouts group. And, and the level of commitment that scouting leaders are stepping up to, which is probably why there's a waiting list, is absolutely huge. I remember uh, talking to a bunch of young people in my church who come on a Sunday morning to our youth program, but they don't come to our midweek Urban Saints group. And I said to Amelia, who's 16 years old, and she's come all the way through scouts since she was six years old. And I said to her, um, why'd you go? What, like, why do you go to Scouts? What is it about Scouts that you've committed to it for the last 10 years? And she said, well, there are three things. She said, number one, she said, like, I've got this amazing community of friends that I've journeyed with from the age of six all the way through. We've got this strong sense of community. 
She said, secondly, like we do loads of camps and residentials. She said, when we were seven years old, we were doing sleepover overs. Now, in, in, the, she's, in the year that she's 15, 16 years old, she said, we do five camps a year. Five camps a year, five residentials a year, four weekends away and one week away. Now, that's no surprise that they've got strong community when they're going away so much. Amazing. Huge levels of commitment. And, but the third thing she said was this. She said, we are learning loads and loads of things. We are learning loads of things. And, and listen, I love youth ministry. I love the youth ministry in my church. I've been involved in it as a volunteer for many times, uh, for many, many years. But, but to be honest, in the last year or so, I've got a bit bored. I have got a bit bored with it myself because I don't think, are we really learning stuff? Are we creating an environment where young people are really learning, not just how to engage in scripture, but learning about the whole of life and the whole of faith? And we're going to be thinking about that uh, in a moment. It's interesting. This is the, uh, you can see this on the Scouts website. Uh, This is their kind of overall match of their culture. Scouting takes place when young people in partnership with adults work together based on the values of scouting. So look at some of these things, because actually these are some of the things that we're exploring this week. So they talk about enjoy what they are doing and have fun. Take part in activities indoors and outdoors. Learn by doing. Share in spiritual reflection. Take responsibility and make choices. Undertake new and challenging activities. Make and live by the promise. So much of that, though, is all about learning and growth. It's all about transformation. And it's no great surprise that so many young people want to be a part of that because they are learning stuff for life. You know, not just having great games. And I think great games are brilliant uh, and great experiences, but really learning things for life. When I first uh, came to Urban Saints 17 years ago, I had a guy who was my spiritual director, spiritual dad. His name was Alex Buchanan. And Alex was in his early 60s at the time. He's with the Lord now. And, and I remember he used to live uh, in um, Slough. And I remember going to his house and, he's, and uh, his office was upstairs. And we went upstairs to sit down. And I remember walking into his office. And, and on the wall of his office was, a, was an L plate. And I remember looking at it and saying to him, Alex, like, what's that about? And he said, it's to remind me every day that I still have to learn, that there are still things to learn, there are still things to grow. And Alex mantra in this, and this is a good mantra, like this is worth writing down or, or, or remembering. His mantra for life, his mission for life was to know Christ better than I do and to become more like him than I am. To know Christ better than I do and to become more like him than I am. That's a great goal, isn't it? I want to ask you rhetorically, like if if you were here last year, would you say as you look back on the last year that you know Christ better now than you did a year ago? Are you more like him now than you were a year ago? Are you growing? Because one of the tragedies in the local church, I'm sure this isn't true of your church, although it will be true, but no, no one in the room is that we've all come across people in our churches who've been following Jesus for 50 years or more, and yet they are still unchanging. You know, they are not manifesting love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, the character of Christ. They're not manifesting forgiveness. They're not exhibiting those things because knowledge puffs up. They know the stuff 
but they're not being transformed. This is not the way it's supposed to be. After all, this is what it means to be a disciple, doesn't it? Disciple, this word that features over 250 times in the New Testament, the Greek word mathetes, which means apprentice or learner. And so when we think about this education word, it it lies at the very heart of our faith. If you are saying today that you are a card-carrying Jesus follower, if you are owning the label as Christian, and that word Christian only appears three times in the New Testament, this word over 250 times, then by definition you are saying, I am a learner. I'm committing to a life of learning. And like Alex was saying, you are learning to, first and foremost, become more like Jesus so that ultimately his mission becomes your passion, that that you want to be, say, and do life like Jesus. Remember when Jesus uh, was around, if you look at John's gospel, three times Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. There's this sense of being in tune and becoming all that the Father would want us to be. And that's, that's the challenge John talks about in 1 John 2 verse 6. He says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Depending on your translation, some of them say, will walk like Jesus walked. And, and so it's the challenge for us and it's the challenge for our young people. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we equipping young people to become more like Jesus? Or or are we falling into the trap even of being human doings rather than human beings? God is far more interested in your being because healthy doing flows out of being. Are you committed to intimacy with the Father and, and helping both yourself and your young people grow in intimacy with God so that that intimacy with God births healthy activity. That's why we always see uh, Jesus escaping, doesn't he, with the, with the Father all the time, trying to connect with the Father. God, what should I do? I love that story right at the end of Mark's Gospel when revival comes to Capernaum. And, uh, you know, Jesus is at Peter's mother-in-law's house and demons are flying out of windows and, the, and the, the, the people are being healed. And it says, if you look at the text, it says the whole town of Capernaum have come to Jesus. Like, it's amazing. Now, that wouldn't have been thousands of people for sure, but it's still pretty impressive. And then it says Jesus sneaks off to talk to, the, to, to his dad. The following morning, Peter and the other disciples, they're, they're looking all over for Jesus. And, and eventually they find him. And Peter says, everyone is looking for you, Lord. And it's like what Peter is saying is like, this is amazing. Like, let us set up a marquee. We don't need to go any further. Revival has come to Capernaum. Let's, you know, let's put up a big top. Everyone from across the whole of Judah can come to us. This is fantastic. We're only a few months in. We're going to make a big buck. We'll do like, we'll create like, what would Jesus do? Bracelets and everything. It's going to be fantastic. And Jesus replies, absolutely brilliant. He says, no, let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. Because I must preach the kingdom in other places too. Now, now why did Jesus not give in to the trap of success? Because he always escaped in the place of intimacy with the Father. Always wanting to know, Father, I don't want to be blinded by what I see. I want to know, what are you saying? What are you doing? And we need to be the ones who cultivate that habit of intimacy with the Father and help our young people to do the same thing. 
becoming like Jesus, knowing what Jesus uh, is up to. So, so when we talk about education, that's the first thing I want to say. First and foremost, the challenge is to us. Are we becoming more like Christ? Our saying, our doing, our going. Is that the prayer? God, would you transform me? And, and are we then helping our young people to do the same? Are we seeing that our young people are growing in their relationship with God? Are they closer to God now than they were a year ago? And I say that in the context that, of course, faith is an adventure, isn't it? And people throw the towel in and they go off on their own. That's just the reality. It happened to Jesus. It will happen to all of us. So that's the first thing to think about. The second thing I want to remind us about is this, that in our world today, you and I all know that everyone lives their life by a story. Now, the prevailing story in our culture, in our Western culture, is consumerism. You know, consumerism is the god of the 21st century. And consumerism basically says, like, whatever you want, you have. You know, you're, you're the customer. You owe it to yourself to be happy. Get what you want. And it's usually around, it's what Paul, John talks about in his epistle. It's usually about if you have the right people in your life, you're going to be happy. If you have the right amount of pounds, you'll be happy. If you have the right possessions in your life, you'll be happy. If you have pleasures, you'll be happy. And if you have power, it's usually about those things. That's why people fill up big brother houses and they go on the X factor and stuff. The majority of those people who do those those things, uh, do them because they think they want to be famous, they want to have lots of money, because then they'll be fulfilled. And we know that is an empty, hollow promise. But it is the story of our culture. The Bible presents a different story. And, and, and I want us to remind ourselves that ultimately that is what the Bible is. That's what I heard Joel say is in the Big Top today. The Bible ultimately is not an instruction manual for life. You know, it is not basic instructions before leaving earth, which is kind of what, you know, what I was grown up to be taught, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions. Because like how many of us enjoy looking at instruction manuals? I mean, how many of you have got, you know, the manual to your oven next to your bed at night and you think like, just want to chew into this. Like none of us do that. The Bible is God's living story. It is this amazing story, which is the real story of what's going on in our world. Because if the Bible is just some instruction manual for life, if we, when we start wanting to teach stuff, then the danger is the Bible becomes just another sacred text, like the Muslims have their sacred text, and like other religious organizations have theirs. And so I'm, I'm really mindful how easy it is for me to run a, an evening youth program and, and kind of do some fun games that may just be fun, then have some kind of crazy game that might lead into a subject on forgiveness that might then talk about the importance of forgiveness and the issues that young people have in forgiveness, then dipping into the Bible to bring out some profound truths about forgiveness and then doing some kind of response. Now, on one level, that's all, that's all okay, but, but I could do that from the Quran. I could do that from other books, wisdom around forgiveness. The Bible is much more than that. All of those pieces of wisdom, that way of living life, fit within a story. A story that makes great sense. And we need our young people to understand that this sacred text is ultimately a story. It's what is really going on in our world. And any wisdom and any instruction that comes to us comes in the context of that story. It's what Mark Iaconelli says 
If you want to read one youth work book, read his book, Contemplative Youth Ministry. If you read no other book, read this book, Contemplative Youth Ministry. I think it's the best book on youth ministry uh, around. And let me read this if you can't read it. He says this, the sacred stories found in the Bible are part of the great story of God through Jesus reconciling the world. But we do more than just tell these stories. We believe and live into these stories. We allow these stories to penetrate our understanding of life, to form and to shape us, to guide and articulate our own experience. The stories of scripture are windows into the nature of God. And humanity and our relationship to one another. They are the stories that help us repent and learn and grow and stretch towards God's love and wholeness. And I would say one of, you know, if the number one challenge of youth ministry is for young people to to know Jesus and grow in relationship with him and become more like him. Then as part of that, the close second is that they must learn What is the real story that's going on in our world? That's why when you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 to 9, which is the Jewish Shema, the famous prayer that every Jew would say at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, the prayer that Jesus himself would have said, the prayer that every uh, Jew would still say today, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Number one priority, relationship with with God. And then what what does Moses say or God say through Moses? These commands today are to be upon your heart. Your heart. So it's that engaging with with the word of God, the story of God, and and they they become part of your your life. They become part of your worldview. And that's why this stuff is so important because it was a German philosopher uh, years and years ago, a guy called Willem Dithy, who coined the phrase worldview. And every one of us have a, have a worldview, the story we live by. It's the, it's the way we see things. And so if, if consumerism is the prevailing worldview that we live in, then our, our responsibility as leaders is to help young people unpack the worldview that they've inherited and explore the worldview, i.e. the story that is really true. Does that make sense? What is the worldview? And so, so there are different ways of doing that, can't you? Sometimes you can watch a TV program or a film with a young person and step back and say, what's the worldview of this program? Like, you know, what, what is, you know, if, you're, if you've got young people who love Game of Thrones, what's the worldview of Game of Thrones? It's might is right. You know, it's like, you know, someone's got to win, someone's got to die, and many others as well. You know, what, what's the worldview of this? And how do we uh, help them understand that we live within a story a true story, the real story of what's going on, a story which includes great moments with God and a story that includes great suffering. Because, again, you'll know that some young people and some adults too, when they say yes to God, they embrace half of the story of God. They, they embrace the story of, like, I've become a Christian now and therefore I'm expecting everything's going to be fine. And so when things aren't fine, they get mad at God because they hold God accountable for something that he never promised, which was a life free from suffering. In fact, Jesus made a promise that you are going to suffer. That's the promise, but he promised to be with you in it. And so we want young people to understand this big story that until renewed creation, then, um, then things are going to be great and they're going to be tough. And, and how do we keep on keeping on in the story? And so, so number one is it's all about growing and learning in our relationship with God and different ways we need to do that. Secondly, it's about 
understanding that we live within this big story. And of course, there are loads of creative ways that we can unpack the story. Um, and uh, I'm going I'm to give you a piece of work to do just a minute or just something to talk about. And I'm sure you've done it. You know, there are loads of great resources out there. Urban Saints and Scripture Union and YFC. You've probably written stuff yourself, how you bring the story alive, whether you're doing role plays or, or dramas or whether you're doing videos or whether you're, um, I mean, years ago, it's not so cool now, isn't it? Doing text versions of, of Psalms or rap versions of Psalms or loads of different ways to bring the story alive. To bring the story alive. And so what I want you to do just for the next three minutes before I move on to my third point is, is talk to the people around you. What kind of stuff have you done in your youth work setting to bring story alive? Story of scripture. Um, you know, anything, you know, maybe it was Good Samaritan story. That's a classic, isn't it? But any story, is good. what have you done to try to bring the story alive and then draw out principles from, from the story? It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus' primary, primary way of teaching people was telling stories because there's such a power in stories. Okay, so over to you for a minute because you've listened to me for a while. For the next three or four minutes, it just just share with the people around you any experiences that you have, and uh, and if you you know you can flip behind you as well because it's great to talk to people that you know you've you uh, perhaps you don't know and just share some wisdom about things you've done to creatively unpack a story in scripture. Does everyone get the task? We're all good. Okay, over to you just for the next few minutes. When when I was in church, when I was a child and a young person. And, and if, you know, you've been in connected with church for a long time, I got to be honest, like I was fed up of the cycle of Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah and the whale, Moses and the deliverance of Egypt. And yet all these years later, there's a great danger that young people and children can come all the way through our program and never know those stories. That we can be so thematically based that we forget that those themes fit within a story. And the story is the story that makes sense. And so just really want to encourage us to, to grapple with the story and, and that young people will know the story today. Um, the story of God that really makes sense of everything. There's a, there's a good book um, called The Drama of Scripture, which, which kind of unpacks the Bible as, as, like as a six-act play. And, uh, and that's quite a helpful model, different ways of dividing up the biblical story so that people can understand it really simply, uh, different ways of doing that. So just a couple more thoughts just before um, we, uh, we finish. I, I mentioned this when I was at uh, the New Day Center Parks thing. These amazing words of Jesus in John 10. I've come that they may have life and life in all its fullness. And that when Jesus was talking about this, that he wasn't just talking um, about pie in the sky when you die, but cake on a plate while you wait. That, you know, the life that Jesus has for us is life now. And there's this beautiful rich word, isn't there, in the Old Testament, which is shalom, which is the uh, Hebrew word for peace. In, in the New Testament, it's, it's translated irene in the Greek. And you'll know that that word uh, doesn't mean like peace in the absence of strife. It means well-being. It means flourishing. It means thriving in the whole of life. And, and so as we think about what we want our young people to grow in wisdom and learning for life and faith, then part of our responsibility is making sure that are we teaching them and growing them in the whole of life? That's why Scouts is so attractive to so many young people, because they're learning stuff for the whole of life. And, and, and I think, you know, you can, we can sometimes veer to... Uh, 
extremes where we're so worried about doing anything overtly Christian that we avoid the Bible, you know, entirely, or that we dig so much into kind of scripture stuff um, that, that we, we miss some really important just life stuff. And, uh, and actually, we, we, we want to cover it all, the whole of life. Every facet of life is important that we want uh, young people to connect with in this word, uh, shalom. And so, so I just want to think about six, six as- aspects of that that uh, we might want to be thinking about as we start developing different ways of learning. And so, so we know like financial life is really, really important. And, and both in terms of heart, but also in terms of practice. It's always head, heart, and hands, isn't it? So there's things to know, there's things that we feel, and there's things that outwork. And, and as, again, Joel said uh, in, the, in the big top a moment ago, Jesus, in fact, the scripture talks about money more than almost anything else, even, even more than prayer. It talks about money because it's such a massive issue. And, and so there's a heart issue for young people around money and their perspective on it about the importance of giving and living generously. But there's a practical thing, like how many of the young people in our communities know how to budget know how to uh, manage their money well. I remember listening to Jay John years ago when I was uh, a much younger dad, and my boys are 21 and 24, and he used to talk about the three S's. And the three S's became a thing that we did with our kids, which was save some, spend some, and share some. And so those were guiding principles for our boys that we were saying, boys, you can spend some of the money you have, your pocket money, but you need to save some as well so that you learn about delayed gratification. You can't get everything you want when you want it, but also you need to share it. You need to give some of it away. And so it's teaching around those kind of things. Relationships uh, are obviously massive, aren't they? Our relationships with our parents, with our siblings, with our teachers, with our uh, friends, with our enemies, uh, with people that we don't know, with our boyfriends and our girlfriends. And, And the Bible has huge amounts to say about relationships and how we do relationships. We're just about to begin a teaching series in my church on a Sunday morning in the autumn, just studying the one another's. And there are loads, and there are about 50 of them, and we're trying to draw them all together into about 12 different teachings about how we are with one another and how that practically applies. There is what I'd call a justice life that we want young people, and, and this will uh, pick up uh, more when, when these guys talk about empowering later on, how we get young people involved in the mission of God. So I don't want to steal any of their thunder when they talk about that, but, but ultimately we learn the best by doing. You grow as you go, which is what Bex is going to be talking about later. But the issues of justice, that we don't have heads down looking at ourselves, but we're looking at the world around us and wondering, how do I make a difference? What has God called me to? That we think about our physical life. You know, how are we helping young, young people in their whole physical well-being? And, uh, you know, I was saying when I was with some of you guys in, in uh, you know, at the New Day thing that um, I've spent more time talking to young people about healthy sleep than almost anything else. About how they can cultivate healthy sleep and, uh, and some of the things around that. Emotional life. Uh, we know the challenges of emotional well-being and mental well-being. I was having a conversation with a well-being specialist in one of our local schools, and we were having a debate about how, how can the school create a culture of well-being? Because, because what's happened now, and it would be interesting your experience on this, that it's great that emotional well-being and mental health is being talked about in ways that it never was before. That is great. But the problem that certainly my three local secondary schools are experiencing is the moment a young person is stressed or anxious in any way, which would normally be 
considered quite normal is now being badged as a mental health issue. So the school is absolutely overrun with mental health issues, some of which absolutely are, but some of which are just the pains of adolescence and the challenges of adolescence. And so we're talking with the local school about how can we help the school create a culture of resilience and a culture of well-being where the young people are looking out for each other. What are the skills and things that are needed uh, to do some of that stuff? And, and there are lots of things I could mention, but, but missional life as well. How we are training and equipping our young people to share their faith, uh, to pray for others, to have radar for God, what are you up to in this moment? And how can I join in? We want to equip them and help them to understand that everything is spiritual, that God is interested in all facets of life, every aspect of life. Uh, we, we did an exercise just recently uh, as we finished our term where we brought some of our young people together and some of our leaders together. Literally two weeks ago we did this. And we came up with a list of about 10 actually, 10 things, home life we talked about, um, other aspects. And we did some brainstorming on big sheets of A1. So we put home life in the middle and we, and we said, let's come up with all the things over the next three or four years that we would like to teach our young people about home life. And so people were putting on how to cook, how to do the washing, you know, how to iron, how to change a tire, how to do all of those kind of stuff. Because, because we want to make sure that our young people know to do the whole of life. And, and, and actually, there are things even within those uh, areas of, of not making tenuous points, but genuine connections into faith and what this might mean into other aspects of their lives as well. And so, so, so that's like trying to learn some of the things from the scouts that the scouts are doing well. Because I think what the scouts lack and what they're doing is brilliant. Some of you may be scout leaders. But, but we are, and I, by mean we, I, I'm talking about Urban Saints and my own local group. We're looking at how do we take the best of what the scouts is doing and some of those things that Amelia says and then stack it full with the word of God and the spirit of God and then we think something really electric will happen and something new in youth ministry because we do think that there is something that the scouts have got to teach us about creating a really excellent learning environment and so we want to take the best of that but we know that we have this holy spirit within us the power and the presence of God to ultimately bring great transformation and so again just for a couple of minutes to the people around you um, what kind of stuff do you think learning for life that you would want your young people to know just learning for life skills and tools for life because you either believe that equipping young people to change a tire is a spiritual exercise or you believe that there are only some things that are spiritual and some things that aren't and so if you believe that everything is spiritual then you want to fully equip them for the things that you think are really important for them to know and grow in life okay now, you might want to challenge that in the questions we'll do in a moment. But again, just for a moment, at a very practical level, you know the young people in your community. I mean, I know that you've got lots of them washing up and maybe cooking and doing those things, which is great, isn't it? Teaching them to serve. But just, I'm going to give you literally two minutes. What are just some of the practical skills for life that by the time they hit 18 years old and they're going off to university, you would want them to know so that they live well and they're making good choices and making an impact? Okay? Two minutes. You've just got two minutes. Go for it. Number one, we want our young people to learn how to grow in their relationship with Jesus and become like him. We want them to understand that they live within a story. And that story, number three, will shape how they live emotionally, relationally, 
missionally, physically, that story shapes all of those things. And, and fourthly, that we believe that that story tells us that everything is spiritual and everything matters. And therefore, we want to equip them for the whole of life and faith. Now, now please hear me. If you're saying, Matt, you're saying that we have to do this. Of course, I'm not saying do everything. And, and I'm not saying definitely that we replace the parental responsibility. But you will know that for some of you, and certainly probably for all of us, there'll be some young people in your community that you are essentially spiritual parents. You are their parents because of issues in the family background. Let me just mention, we could do a whole session on this and I'm not, that of course there are learning, you've all heard of different learning styles. Loads and loads of different ways of learning, so we've got to be mindful of that. Uh, verbal learning, oral learning, visual learning, physical learning, logical learning, social, sol- solitary learning. People learn in lots and lots of different ways. Uh, I'll give you my email address in a moment, by the way, and you can have all a copy of these slides. So, um, um, so, there are, so we've got to be mindful of that. In fact, on a Sunday morning, we've just changed our Sunday morning children's activity that once we do the main teaching, we now have four different zones that young people can go to based on their learning style, not their age, where they can engage in things in different ways to help them really apply what they're learning based on if they like to chat, if they like to build Lego, if they like to do kind of different things, and thinking about the implications of that uh, on, our, on our youth program. And so I want to finish, and so I'll put my email up, and uh, if, you, um, if you want the slides, I'll just email them to you. Um, but I, I want to show you a video that some of you have, might have seen, uh, and it's just, it's very powerful, And it's just the moment that a number of people who have had uh, issues of deafness maybe all their life suddenly get to hear for the first time. You know, they've been given an implant and they hear. And and the reason I show this, and hopefully it's obvious, is because what we are hoping for in all of the learning growth we do with our young people and in our own lives, that we will have these wonderful moments when we go, Aha! I can hear. I can see. Or, you know, as a young person said to me just the other day, I suddenly get it. I get it. And that's what we're hoping and praying for, isn't it? So watch this, um, and I'll try not to cry. Isn't that awesome? And isn't that what we want? Like for us? You know, like even, like all of us in our journey of faith, we're all journeying, aren't we? And don't we all need God to speak and have moments when we're like, I get it. And so I'm going to pray a super quick prayer, and then we're going to um, see if there are any questions that we've got. And so why don't you just bow your heads just for a moment. My current spiritual director, Pete, he says, the good news has got to be good news to you before it can be good news through you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that you would stir in us a longing to learn and grow. I pray that the cry of our heart every day would be to come to you in weakness and say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Change me. Transform me. Help me to become day by day, month by month, year by year, more of who you've created me to be. And help that reality flow through me into the life of others. Help me, my young people that you've entrusted into my care, help us all have moments when we hear, when we see, when we say, not just I get it, 
but I've got it. Bless them, Lord, today. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Pour out your spirit even in this moment and replenish them. We just welcome you in, even in these few seconds. We just enter into your rest. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We have got some, some questions. So, um, so we'll go through these. There was actually a few people, and you did touch on it after um, you, you got us to, uh, to, to share together. But just on the back of what you were saying about teaching uh, young people about life skills. So a few different questions came through uh, regarding parents and just how you, how you work um, in that. So, so the first one I'll, I'll read. What do you think is the parents' responsibility to teach if they're in church? or in the church, uh, and would you recommend working with and supporting parents in this or not? What is your experience in this? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant question. Um, I think most churches in my experience, definitely including my church, are rubbish at engaging with parents, and uh, we are really rubbish, and, uh, and I'm the leader of the church, so that doesn't say much for me, does it? Uh, so, it, you know, in our thinking, we are thinking, how do we, we've had moments over the last 37 years of doing it well. We're in a moment of not doing it very well at the moment. And so we are intentionally thinking, how can we do that? And I think the reality is the reason it doesn't happen is because we don't have a leader in our youth program, and that's what we're looking to create, who owns the responsibility um, of really thinking about how do we proactive, proactively engage with parents and, and be the connection. I mean, we all need to engage it as a team, but everything rises and falls on leadership. And so, so we want to think about, like, someone in the team has a responsibility of engaging with parents, uh, connecting parental courses, doing opportunities where the generations come together, um, and, and just thinking much more intentionally about ha- how we do some of that stuff. And so I'm a big fan of and both. So I think we want to equip the parents and, and actually primarily say, this is your job to grow and disciple your children. But um, most of the young people in our midweek program have no Christian parents, and so we have to pick up some of those things. Um, and if, uh, if the parents say they're teaching their kids budgeting skills, well, that's great. Well, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it too, basically. So I think and both. That's great. That's great. I was thinking that. So different individuals it would be different for, yeah, I think, in our, in our setting. So we've got some where parents are very involved in doing that, and we're working with them, and others where, where actually I just, they just haven't got that input. So it's, uh, it's good. Okay, next one. Um, how do you link things like changing a tire to something spiritual? <laughs> how do you link something like changing a tire? Well, uh, and I guess, I guess I'd say there's two answers to that. What, one, which is what I alluded to, if we believe that everything is spiritual, then this is just an important thing. I, and I'm not, please, I'm using that as a slightly extreme example. So I'm not saying please add changing a tire to your curriculum, uh, although I think it's probably a good skill to learn. Um, but um, so we believe that everything matters to God. And even at that simplest level, if I did an evening and said, right, we're going to tonight, young people, we're going to take ties off and we're going to put them back on. And, and, the, and the main teaching is this matters to God because everything matters to God because everything is spiritual. In and of itself, that would be enough. Um, of course, there are loads of spiritual lessons you could do with ties about things that are worn and things that are not worn and, and, and the importance of changing and transformation and renewal and what happens with it. You know, I mean, I'm not a car guy. There'll be some people here who are car people and you'll know about the implications of worn tires and what happens if a police stops you and things like that. So, so I, I would think with my team about lots of implications of bad tires and, and see if we could take some thoughts about that. But even at the most basic level, 
um, it would be everything matters to God and this matters to God too. Um, but I think there are creative things you could do. I hope that helps a bit. Yeah, it's good. We used to do with our young people like a spiritual MOT. So we would we would get a, a document which yeah. was an MOT document and we'd go through it, but we'd change it to a spiritual MOT. And But we'd do practical stuff yeah, that yeah, you'd yeah. do with a car, but we would then talk about spiritual things that, that link to just our own lives and how we're doing and, and stuff. So... So it's like, and be like, you know, for example, if you taught a young person how to change the oil in a car, mm. you know, or not change the oil, but, you know, check the oil and stuff, and then you could absolutely make points about that, couldn't you? Yeah. Like, you know, how are you kind of tracking in terms of the oil of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Good. Okay, we'll go for two more, and then we will we'll finish. So um, uh, this one says, thank you for sharing. Uh, can you please give examples of the different learning zones that you create for the different learning styles? Yeah, great question. Okay, so we've literally just started this the last two or three weeks. So I know we have a Lego zone. So we have some kids who kind of make things out of Legos and, you know, you know things like that. We find, not being sexist at all, but we find that boys typically have been drawn to that more than anything else. Uh, there is a play zone where they are kind of, you know, playing games, but the teachers have structured the, those games in a way to still draw out learning, learning points. There is a just chat place um, where they can just kind of talk about some of those things. And I can't remember what the fourth one is. But to, but to be honest, I don't think it's the same thing every time. I think there are different things that they do. But we're literally only two or three weeks in. But if you email me, I'm really happy to, to kind of share more what Becky, our children's worker, is doing on that. Uh, Matt, this one's a little bit more general just on the, uh, on the stream. It's uh, covering all the different subjects. But I think it would be a good one for you just to give some comment into. And then I'd love to chat to this person actually a bit more if, uh, um, in detail if that would help. So it says, I can sometimes feel a little overwhelmed by trying to fit all this in. Enjoyment, education, teaching, worship, etc. Do you divide up the year into different nights with a focus on one of these things? So a social night once a month or a worship night once a month. So how do you take all of the different elements, ingredients. And that, that really is such a good question because I think you can hear things like this and think, oh, I've got to do all of this. And so I think we, you know, on, in terms of life, isn't it? There's a life thing about you can't do everything, but you can do something. And, uh, and so I think there, depending on what you have in your youth ministry, sometimes there are, uh, in fact, we, I was talking to our children's worker the other day who said, like, I'm going to put the five E's on everything we do. And I said to them, no, you don't need to do that. <laughs> like, you know, if you're going to go to a theme park for a day, that can just be enjoyment. You don't have to think, well, we, you know, we want to experience the Holy Spirit on the middle of Nemesis or anything like that. And uh, although I generally find that I do do that for a different reason. And, and uh, it certainly works for my prayer life. So, uh, so I don't think we need to be legalistic about these things. I think the questions are, when you look at the landscape of your year, enjoyment is about, like, are we having fun you know uh education is are, are we creating environments of learning encounter is about other opportunities for young people to experience god and respond to him empowerment is about are we growing in them into leadership an example are is about are we creating uh possibilities for young people to see us live our lives by example and so so we take those questions over the over the, the whole of the year and saying are we creating those possibilities so you don't have to do everything every night, every month. But it's just allowing those things to be a bit of a lens, a bit of a framework to make sure we're, we're growing in those areas. It's brilliant. It's really helpful. I know there's a few more questions, so we will get back to you throughout the day um, on those. I, I know there's been questions about like mobile phones and young people in, in teaching settings and um, other, yeah, other ones. So we, we will come back on, uh, on, on those. I hope that's been really helpful. I know it's been helpful for me. I'm sure it has been for, for, for you guys. Let's uh, thank Matt again and... Uh, okay.